0: All the boilers are down, so they need to. He needs to probably spend all day there. So, um, rough, rough day I'm sure for him ahead. So let's pray for him, and uh, pray for our time together here now, uh, this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful that uh, not only do you uh, show us that there are nations raging against you, but you also show us the solution for it. And even in that psalm, there is an opportunity for them to repent and so we praise you that even um in spite of judgment there is mercy that is offered and it will be offered for as long as people are on the earth but but when we get to the next life it will be too late so we're thankful for our standing in christ because the gospel has reached us and that your wrath has been satisfied for our sin there's no more that we need to add to the death of christ on our behalf and on our behalf and His sacrifice. And so we praise You for that. We look forward to um, seeing how the the end of all things will be consummated in the battle of Armageddon and the kingdom of Jesus Christ which will reign forever and ever. And we pray that You would bring that time quickly. Help us this morning as we reflect on relationships within our church and potentially outside of our church with other believers as we seek to them grow in godliness and we pray for Jared especially this morning uh, as he cannot be here because of work. We pray that you just keep him safe and and that he'd be able to accomplish the task that he needs to do there at work and um, pray that you would um, keep others safe perhaps that are traveling or will be traveling here soon. pray that you would uh, protect us and uh, allow us to um, be able to continue on at the service that you have called us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, today we're going to cover the topics of evangelism and missions. So, in your schedule, um, if you follow that schedule at all, on the back of your sermon schedule, we were planning to do evangelism this morning and then missions next week. But, uh, like the rest of this schedule, uh, it's going to be a week behind. Alright, so this, this schedule is basically, you know, just rip it, get rid of it, no good for the rest of the quarter. So that's why we like new beginnings, and we can look forward to that in April, or we can have a fresh and clean schedule, hopefully that's not interrupted by change, but but uh, keeps you on your toes. All right, so this morning we're going to cover two topics in one class, one session. We're going to cover both evangelism and missions, and really we're just going to do a, a brief summary of them, of our responsibility with regard to them and then trying to help uh, a fellow believer with their desire for these things. And really, if you think about it, evangelism and missions are not too different. Uh, Evangelism is telling the gospel to unbelievers and then missions is doing evangelism in a different culture. Uh, uh, We could have missions Take place in the city of Detroit, for example, because we're actually crossing a cultural barrier, and um, and most of the time when we think of missions, we think about it overseas, and that's completely appropriate. That is uh, often uh, how we think of it. It's basically doing evangelism. It's more than that, I think. Though I think missions also includes planting of churches. Um, you know, we haven't done our job as a missionary if we are a missionary if we just see people saved, just like as a church, we haven't done our job if we just see people saved. We need to, to, um, to disciple them and train them and um, teach them, as Jesus said, everything that He has commanded us. And so, I think missions includes more than evangelism, but they're very similar. So, let's start with evangelism. We want to encourage evangelism to a fellow believer in a discipling relationship. And so turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for this first one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What we want to see here is that evangelism is normal for Christians. It should be normal for Christians. And so your first blank there is evangelism is compelled and commanded for Christians. Compelled and commanded. And here's one of the best and probably clearest texts of Scripture that show us that we have a responsibility to evangelism. Certainly, if we go to Matthew 28, we have an implied command. Um, and what I mean by that is the command is to make disciples, and implied in that is that we have to... If we're going to make disciples of all nations, we we can't just go out and say, hey, I'm ready to disciple you. There has to be some evangelism going on first. So there's an implied command there in Matthew 28, but probably the clearest uh, actual command or or, um, compelling scripture having to do with evangelism here is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 11. Paul says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. And then verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us or compels us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Okay, so notice in verse 11, Paul doesn't say, since we are apostles, we try to persuade men. He doesn't say, since we are gifted with this special spiritual gift of evangelism we try to persuade men. He says, What what is the motivation for him to persuade men? Look at verse eleven. Okay? The terror of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. He he has a reverence for God and his work. And so I think that should compel us as Christians, every single Christian, no matter how young a person is in their walk with God should be compelled to share the gospel and the love of Christ. Because, not because we're gifted in some spectacular way or because we're an apostle, but because we fear God. We want to see His work advance. That's why verse 14 says, for the love of Christ controls us or compels us. It's it's a motivation for us to want to do this. To persuade men. Um... We seek to share our faith with an unsaved world because it's what God expects us to do. It makes no sense for us to hoard the gospel to ourselves. We have the the best news that anyone could ever want to know, and so why wouldn't we want to share this good news? So evangelism is compelled and commanded for Christians. Number two, evangelism is a source of joy for Christians. So not only should we evangelize because we're expected to as Christians, but also because evangelism is a, is a critical source of joy. Turn to Philemon. Philemon, and right before Hebrews, there. Philemon, chapter one, verses four to seven. Evangelism is a source of joy. See if you can see this here in this passage. Someone read that for us. Verses 4 to 7. So here Paul uh, expresses joy in the in the fruit of God's work in the life of his friend Philemon. But he also encourages Philemon, and to us by extension, to share the gospel uh, and to do it for our joy. He says in verse 7, For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love. And specifically the love that he's talking about is... Um, um, verse five, because I hear of your love and the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, and that your fellowship and that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing. so we we are never to guilt Christians into evangelism. okay, we we want to see it as a spirit motivated ministry, uh, a spirit motivated service to God. That's what we ought to do for all really aspects of the Christian life. All spiritual disciplines should not be guilted, um, but rather should be uh, a Spirit-led ministry. We want to see Christians share the Gospel because it deepens their relationship with Christ. It's one of the ways in which we grow in our knowledge and love for Christ. And it should bring us joy. It's not Evangelism is not just for the object uh, or the recipient of evangelism. It actually helps us to grow spiritually. It, it gr- helps us to grow in love and in our understanding of the gospel. It helps us to understand how to do apologetics, that is, defending our faith. And so it helps us as well. So don't think that it's selfish of you to take joy from doing evangelism. That is, whether it's accept- the message is accepted or rejected evangelism is uh, a source of joy for Christians. Thirdly, evangelism is for God's glory. This is the ultimate purpose of evangelism. It's for God's glory. Turn back to Romans chapter chapter uh, 3. Romans chapter 3. Evangelism is compelled and commanded by God. It's a source of joy and it is for God's glory. Would someone read verses 25 and 26? Okay. The purpose of Christ's atoning... Substitutionary work was first and foremost to vindicate God's name, because God had 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 in the past been forbearing toward sin, and He had been in a place where His justice was effectively called into question. And at the cross, He He brought together both His justice and His mercy that God displayed publicly a way in which our sins could be covered. So, He's not an unjust judge who sits up there and says, you know what? I know you've done all these sins and I know that they're egregious and I know that they're deserving of eternal condemnation, but I'm just going to ignore them. That's not our God. Instead, He says, no, these sins have fully been paid for in the person, the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ. And so, His justice is seen. He's not being an unjust God. He's saying, yes, those sins are punished. Uh, those sins are paid for in full, but He's also showing His mercy. And in that, God receives glory. So when we evangelize, we show God's mercy, God's um, God's infinite and uh, boundless mercy that, that is given to to lost souls, just like it was given to us. So evangelism is for God's glory. It's compelled and commanded. It's a source of joy. And it is for God's glory. So how do we encourage evangelism in a discipling relationship? How do we encourage evangelism in a discipling relationship? Well, uh, you will gain more motivation for evangelism when you understand why you're doing it. As I've mentioned before, discipleship is not behavior modification. Okay, that's the first blank there. Discipleship is not behavior modification. It's not uh, shaping the person. It's not forcing them to believe the way that you do in every single aspect. It's not forcing them to mimic you in every single aspect. Uh, discipleship is rather the, the, the transformation of the person's heart through the water of the Word. Remember, we are the conduit, the pipeline through which they receive God's Word. And we're trying to get God's truth into their person, into their mind, into their hearts so that it changes them. And so we need to think about this when we have discipling relationships that, that our primary goal is not to um, force them into a legalistic type of obedience but rather that we're seeking for their hearts to be transformed and for them to see the motivation behind the evangelism So, for, so in this case evangelism you want to see them the motivation behind it so that they are doing it for the proper purposes and that they are doing it in a glo- in a God-glorifying way. And uh so how can we encourage this? The second point there is your active concern for the lost teaches how much you value evangelism. So, if you want to encourage someone else to be a good uh, a, a good proclaimer of the truth of the gospel then you need to be good at it yourself. You need to be active at it yourself. Because it's helpful when your friends see evangelism as a natural part of your life. It's not done uh, you know with a specific program although some programs could be helpful in that way or it's not done just on an occasional activity. Well, I've done my duty. There's my there's my uh, evangelism for the month. But it's a normal part of your day-to-day existence. I'm thinking Strategizing throughout my day how is it that I can come into contact with unbelievers or when I come into contact with unbelievers as I will today at work, at home, at school, at, uh, in the neighborhood, whatever, um, how can I use those opportunities to direct them toward a conversation of the gospel? How can I uh, pray better for these relationships that I have with unbelievers so that God is opening doors for me that I cannot open? So, so um, make sure that you are active. Okay, it's it's the idea of of um, practicing what you preach, so to speak. Okay, not just saying. Okay, this is what you need to do. You need to be good at ev- at uh, evangelizing, or you know you seem to have more of the personality that would be good for evangelizing. So you need to make sure that you're doing that. I tend to have a uh, a mindset or a personality that's better for these other types of areas and so I'm going to focus on these but you need to be evangelizing. If evangelism is compelled and commanded then we ought to be doing it and modeling that for the person that we're seeking to to uh, disciple. Thirdly, think strategically about reaching the lost. Take some time to think how you can strategically reach out to others, okay? Evangelism sometimes is spontaneous, you know, um Philip walking home and seeing the man reading from Isaiah. Uh, Paul has various opportunities when he's just getting arrested and, and, and so on, where he'll have opportunities to share the gospel or while he's sitting in prison or something like that. Um, Jesus on the way to, um, uh, well, as he's there in Samaria at the with the woman at the well. There's just various, uh, we could call spontaneous ones that are... Somewhat unexpected we're we're just we just happen to be going somewhere, but it doesn't have to be that way evangelism should be strategic and in some cases planned out that that um, we are thinking okay um, how can I develop a relationship with this this grocery clerk you know this one who this cashier who's i I, I can go down her lane every single time and I can have a conversation with her. And over time, perhaps open up the door to spiritual things as I pray for her, or maybe you know a teller at the bank, or uh, uh, a gas gas station attendant, or something like that, or, or obviously people at work, people at home, people at at uh, people in your family, and so on. How can I carry on a, a conversation today that would lead toward uh, spiritual things and perhaps open up a door for? The gospel to be shared. Okay, so think strategically about reaching the lost. I, I think, you know, the things that we value most, we tend to strategize for. We we tend to carve out time during our day for how we're going to make that happen. We think about how we're going to to speak. You know, if if you're going in for a conversation with your boss and and your goal is to get a quality review from him and to be able to get a raise, potentially, based on that review. Well, you're going to strategize. Okay, this is the normal times in which I see my boss. This is how I'm going to stop him today in the middle of his busyness so that I can talk with him. And this is how I'm going to direct the conversation so that I can uh, remind him that I need to get a a review. And then I'm going to share with him the five points that I've thought of that I've done over the last year so that he can um, see those in a clear way and and so we strategize for all these other things in our lives that are important and why not do that for evangelism we ought to strategize we don't think okay well this is not spirit led if if i strategize and think through um rather we should we should make it, if we value it then we should make it a part of our our thinking and our strategy number 4 read a book on evangelism several Um, ideas here Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God J.I. Packer's really short book you could read it in one sitting Um, really helpful uh, little book that's been around for a long time The Gospel and Personal Evangelism by Mark Dever um, just gives you some practical tips as well as some foundational biblical sources from which you can draw uh, information regarding the evangelism and motivation for it. Tell the Truth is a little bit thicker book. I've brought that in before. It's, it's, um, it's a very good work though. It, it works through various aspects, It's more of a theology of evangelism, and then it talks about how you practice that. Evangelism is a little red book by Max Stiles, and you could read through that in one or two sittings as well. And you would be uh, you would benefit greatly from a book like that. You could probably get that book for about $10, book, $10. And it may be uh, on the future list of uh, Book of the Month there for our church. All right, so read a book. And when I say this, yes, it would be helpful to read it for yourself. But if you're working with someone else, why not read it with them? You know, like we talked about last week, find some good Christian books and read them with your friend. Just say, hey, let's just go through two chapters for each time that we meet once a week, so on. And then number five, don't forget about the local church. Keep in mind the importance of church uh, of the local church and evangelism that a healthy culture of discipleship should do a lot to com- commend the gospel to an unbelieving world that that we are in in many ways like a team so that when we you know get a person to a place where they feel comfortable coming into um, coming into a congregation of believers who are in many ways unlike them that that we can we can come up and and be kind to them and show them the love of Christ and um and uh encourage our fellow believer with uh with that sort of evangelism. So make sure that you understand the, the value of the local church and then also help the person that you're discipling to do the same. Alright. Any questions on evangelism? I know we've just finished a class, so right. I you know uh, we've finished a whole thirteen weeks on spreading the gospel so so I didn't want to go into it too too deeply this morning. All right, good. So let's turn to missions, encouraging missions in a discipling relationship. There are many things that we can focus on in discipling. You know, uh again we can hit kind of the hot button issues that come up in discipling relationships especially when you're working with younger people, you know, like dating and marriage and career issues. Maybe for someone more seasoned, parenting and money management. Okay, so there's lots of topics that we can address when we get into a relationship um, that has the goal of seeing that person discipled. But why would we not want to have, as one of our topics, one of the things that we focus on, why would we not want to talk about missions? Here are a few reasons why we want to encourage Missions in a discipling relationship. Uh, relationship number one. Missions is not an option. Missions is not an option. Turn to to third John. And we're going to look at the last chapter of third John. So we shouldn't have to look for it too hard. All right. Yeah. Yep. missions is not an option there are a great number of things in the Christian life that that we can choose to do or not to do as a Christian okay so for example uh you could choose or not to not not choose to be involved in helping in the nursery okay you could choose or not choose to be helping with sound ministry or whatever there there's lots of different functions and and uh and ministries in the church that you can choose to do or not to do. Those things are significant. They need to be, we need people in there, but they're optional. Not every Christian is expected to be involved in those areas of ministry. They're not commanded to be involved. But, if we're talking about missions, every single Christian is to be involved in missions. In the global proclamation of the gospel, it is a requirement for every single Christian. We need to serve the cause of missions in one of two basic ways. And I think you you know what these two are, but we, we talked about it in our class, our series on missions. First is as a goer, there are some who will be called by God to leave the place where they are, cross a culture, go somewhere with the deliberate intent of evangelizing the lost and making disciples of them and seeing a church planted. Okay, there will be many and uh, of God's people who are called in that way to be a goer. But if we're not called to be a goer, we must be called as a sender. We must be involved as a sender in the great work of missions across the, glo- the globe. The, the biblical picture that we're going to see here in 3 John is that if we don't go, then uh, that doesn't end our responsibility. Instead, we structure our lives and our church around helping to support and encourage and to send. So look at 3 John and then chapter 1, and someone read verses 5 through 8. I love your acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers, and they have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. They went out for the sake of the name, nothing from the Therefore we are to support such men, so that we may be for the Okay, so verse seven, we have people that are going out for the sake of the name. They're going out from the church. Apparently in this church they're actually being sent out. This is the sending church. They're being sent out from the church and they are to to um they will need hospitality. They will need people when they're here and in our midst, they're going to need to be cared for. Verse 6 says that that you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. Then verse 8, very clear, is our responsibility as a church. Therefore, we ought to support such men. It's not, not a suggestion so that we may be fellow workers. That's why I, I think it's a good way for us to think about our missionaries as as fellow workers. We are fellow workers with them. We we can't be there with them, you know, 365 days a year, but we can be fellow workers with them because we're sending them out with our money and with with God's money that, that God's entrusted to us, but with our money and with uh, our prayers, our our encouragement. And so, if we're not called to be a goer, we must be a sender. That's the The point here in verses 5 through 8. The Great Commission was given, Matthew 28, was given to the church. And so, the the work of missions is a work of the church. It's a work that requires the, the members of the church to be involved in it. That's not just a few. Not just a few who will go out and cross the culture and change their lives for the sake of the gospel, But but we who stay, we who remain must be active in the work of missions. And so, that means in your discipling relationship, you should encourage a passion for missions that, that, um, that mimics the passion that you have. And uh, hopefully, even together, that you can work to grow that passion. Alright? So, missions is not an option. Secondly, an engagement with missions. Facilitate spiritual growth. And then thirdly, an engagement with missions brings glory to God. We want to deliberately talk about missions in our discipling relationships because we want our friends to prosper spiritually. Look at verses 1 through 4 here in 3 John chapter 1. Someone read that verses 1 to 4. you you all right so john here is thankful for his brother gaius his christian brother gaius here who's who's walking in the truth the idea of in the truth love and truth it just keeps coming up in those first four verses and what does that look like? What does walking in the truth for Gaius look like? Why is it that John is so encouraged? I have no greater joy than to see my children, people that I've discipled, walk in the truth. What does that look like? Verses 5 to 8. You were faithful in, in sending them out for the sake of the name. And and you showed hospitality to them. John is is confident in in Gaius' Gaius's spiritual health and his willingness to care for These itinerant missionaries and evangelists um, who had apparently been sent out from John's home church. And this, for John, demonstrated their love for Christ and their diligence, their faithfulness in walking in the truth. And this second verse always strikes me here. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. I want your physical health to match your spiritual health. I want your physical body to be in such good health that it matches how strong you are spiritually. And that says a lot about Gaius, that it wasn't the other way around. I want your spiritual health to match your physical health. You know, he's kind of a physically fit person. He's like, no, he, your spiritual health is so strong that I, I would love to see your your physical body match that. And so we want to deliberately cultivate this kind of love in the lives of our Christian friends because we want them to do well spiritually. We want them to walk in the truth. And we want to find joy in them walking in the truth. And when they are appropriately um, involved in missions, sending people out for the sake of the name, being hospitable to those who are here, then their soul prospers. All right? Next, and I skipped ahead here, but next, an engagement with missions brings God glory. If we are genuine Christians, then a desire to see God glorified should be a very real and significant part of our life. So in your discipling relationships, do your friend a great service by cultivating in them a taste for missions. Help them to see the great love that that should come from the relationship with our missionaries. you know, maybe encourage them by saying, "Listen, I'll go. I'll go with you on a mission trip this year. I'd like to. I'd like to see your passion grow in in that way. Or maybe if you can't do something like that, let's let's uh, send out some letters together or or something like that. What a great way to to see that passion spread. It, it, it in many ways is contagious, which is one of the reasons I like to have mission trips here, is because I can see the passion that that is Spread as a result of the people that have gone. Not everybody can go. Our church can't can afford to send everybody, but but some can. And when they come back, they they bring a passion that's that they didn't have before uh, for missions and specifically for that specific area that we went to. And I I think that's contagious and helpful for our church. We want to be um, fellow partners in the work of the gospel. And we want our missionaries to know that we are concerned about their their work, and so um, so develop that passion for yourself, and then encourage that in the life of another believer,s uh, and, and another believer. Um, all right, encouraging mis- missions in discipling. How can we do this? I already said a, a few ways here, but. How can we disciple other believers and encourage their passion for missions? First, make, make the topic of missions a regular part of your relationship. You know, we, we tend to, if you've ever had a discipling relationship, tend to sit down and hit kind of the, the key areas of the Christian life. You know, make sure that you're consistent in your Bible reading and in prayer, and I think that's critical. Don't get away from those. Those are, those are the source of life. Uh, for a believer, but but in addition to that, why not include something like missions um, that they should have a regular desire to to know more about what God is doing around the world and a regular desire to see God do more around the world. So make it uh, a point to to get together with your discipling uh, partner and and pray for missions and missionaries specifically. Uh, you can also uh, read a book on missions. Couple ideas here: uh, "Let the Nations Be Glad" by John Piper. This is an excellent book on on the spread of the worldwide uh, the spread of the gospel worldwide. Operation World is more of a resource than a book to read through, but it it basically gives you uh, various parts of the world, whether reached or unreached parts of the world, that, that and and it gives you demographics on all of them and tells you. Um, what kind of things to be praying for. It's written from a broadly evangelical perspective, so you're going to have to read with a grain of salt, but, but for the most part, it's very good and it's very informative. Uh, something you could read through a page a day or, or really a section a day. They they break it out by day so that you can be praying for all the various parts of the world. Uh, Mack and Leon's Guide to Short-Term Missions, the book... That I read in preparation for the last trip to India, I found it to be very helpful. in fact we we did a brief survey of this book in one of the classes that we had on missions not too long ago. And then for the sake of the name by uh, Pastor Dorn Dr. Doran there in inner city, uh, that's another excellent book on missions. all right so so those are some books that you could either read with that disciple in that discipling relationship or just recommend. To them. In addition to that, there are some bi- biographies that would be helpful uh, regarding missionaries of the past. You know, you want to you want to really increase your passion for missionaries and missions. Uh, read some of these biographies and see some of the challenges that these people faced in order to get to uh, various lands, like uh, Adoniram Judson or um, William Carey. Lots of uh, great biographies out there uh, for both men and ladies who have. Given up their um, the, the pleasures of you know a nice American culture to to go across the globe and share the gospel um, I mentioned before jim Elliot's excellent uh biography as well written by his wife um, so there there's lots of good biographies that you can read together next model concern for missions. Let your friend know how you are personally, deliberately structuring your life in order to be faithful to God's passion for global missions. Let them know about the decisions that you made with regard to your time and your money and your vacations in order that you can advance the work of God in other parts of the world. So, you know, it would be nice for our family to spend, you know, X amount of dollars and go to this place on vacation, but instead we've decided to to take that money and put it toward a mission trip, or we we decided to take that money and and uh, and invest it in the work of missions. And so, just uh, help help the the person that you're discipling to see that you do have a, a genuine passion for missions. And again, this doesn't have to be uh, calculated, but but they, it should almost be obvious to them and then talk specifically about their role in global missions. Okay? It's one thing to say here's what I do about missions and another to say, well, what is your responsibility? Help them to see that that not every single Christian is called to be a pastor or a missionary. Okay? That that's just not how God works. That wouldn't work if everyone was in one of those two positions. But every healthy and mature Christian must at some point Ask what his or her role is with regard to missions. And as I said earlier, if you're not a goer, then you have to be a sender. That's Third John is, I think, clear about that. And so help them to see their responsibility in that way. Finally, what if the person that you're discipling considers becoming a missionary? What happens if, as you're working through, maybe a uh, you're working through a book of the Bible, and they see Paul's passion or Peter's passion for lost souls? And and uh, they start to think about becoming a missionary. What what? How can you counsel them, encourage them in this way? First, get them to start talking with other believers. Uh, the reason for that is because we want we want this not to be an individual decision. Okay, that, that is I'm going to be a rogue missionary. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm going. No one can stop me. But rather, hey. Can you pray for me? You know, I I'm thinking about going into uh some full-time missionary work. And um <clears throat> that will help others to be able to evaluate that person, uh say listen, you know, maybe maybe you need a little bit more seasoning. You need a little bit more training before not no, don't ever do that. You should never be involved in missions, but why don't you take some time, get some more uh get some more um training under your belt either here at a church or at a you know at a at a Christian institution um but let's see how this works out and and we can be encur- encouraging them that way sometimes um you know they might read a, a a popular book on missions or something and they get all charged up about missionary work and they don't really understand they haven't really counted the cost of what it's going to be and um and they really haven't been Uh, trained in being able to recognize that missionary work is not about just digging wells or something like that or starting orphanages. It's it's about planting churches. And so if you're going to be, especially if you're going to be the main guy, you need to be trained to be a pastor uh, because that's effectively what you're going to be doing and much more. So get them to start talking to others. Secondly, encourage them to talk to a church leader sooner rather than later. Okay. Encourage them to talk to their pastor. So if it's someone outside of this church, you know, encourage them to talk to their pastor so that the, the pastor can help direct them in that way. A lot of people falsely believe that a call to missionary work is an intensely personal decision. But I think a proper call uh, ought to involve the local church. That doesn't mean that the church makes the final decision. But it does mean that the church should be involved in the decision uh so rather than the person saying, "You know I want to be a missionary now I'm going to go tell the church that that i'm i'm already I've already decided that I'm going. I think the scriptures would point us to seeking out the counsel and direction of the leadership of the church, and I think as the pastor, the only way that I can shepherd you or someone else and care for you in the process is if you make yourself known to me early on in the process rather than okay." You know, for the last four years, I've been deciding I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a missionary. And now, here, can you support me? Um, I think instead we um, we ought to pursue the leadership of the church and, and see in what ways we can be directed and more equipped, better equipped for the the task that's ahead of us. Third, help them to realize that the church is the one who sends missionaries, not, not individuals. So, th- it's not, you know, I'm going to go around and talk to all my my close family members and friends and see if they'll support me for mission missionary work. Sometimes that happens as as a supplement to their income, but I think the primary way that the scriptures call missionaries to be sent out is for, you know, 3 John that they they we send them out for the sake of the name through the local church. And so it should never be on one person's shoulders to discern his call to missions or to prepare for the work of missions, our church as a whole uh, will want to help in that way and to, to w- walk through um, those types of decisions and so help them understand that the church is the one who sends missionaries. If the church is not sending a missionary, it very well could be that God's not calling them. Okay, I, And I, I feel uh, fairly strongly about this. Um, you know, there's no there's no independent callings I don't think I think the church is there to help verify their character and ability and and they ought to the church ought to be a part of that responsibility because if a person just says I'm going to be a self-appointed missionary and I'm just going to go out first of all there's probably few if any mission boards that would allow something like that okay but if let's say they had some sort of uh, huge inheritance, and and they they didn't need to be supported by anyone, or they had some huge donor that was an individual, not a part of a church or something, just a you know a friendly grandma or something. Um, I don't I I don't think the scriptures would allow for that sort of thing. Uh, there, there's no rogue missionaries. If you look at the 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 spread of the message of the gospel throughout the Book of Acts and the Epistles. That, that these people are, even Paul and Barnabas of all people, right, are being sent out by the church of Antioch. And the, the church of Antioch is going so far as to determine if the Holy Spirit is sending them or not, right? And and I think that if the, the church at Antioch said, you know what, no, we don't think you're called. We, we don't think you have the character. We don't think you have the, the, um, the, the experience to be able to do something like this. I think Paul and Barnabas wouldn't have gone, I think the the church is that critical to um the work of missions and I think that's the way that God has set it up. Fourthly, consider missionary qualifications. Okay, and this is what the church helps with. The same thing when when I came to the church, I just can't be a self-appointed pastor. Okay, you 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 have to call me, my church has to send me in the sense they they're going to recommend whether or not I have the capability of doing something like this. And so I think the same thing is true with regard to um, a missionary, dependability, faithfulness and attendance, and serving in the church someone 's just you know sporadic attender or Sunday morning only type well, why would we expect them to to be involved it it 's not like turning a light on okay it 's not like okay well, I know i 'm not attending that much i 'm not that passionate about evangelism now i 'm not that passionate about mission- but once I get over there, I will be it doesn 't happen like that. The things that you struggle with now, you'll struggle with later. That's why you want to have those as developed as possible. Uh, sound theology. This is important and something that needs to be checked on as well. Track record of sound biblical judgment, making wise choices, consistent prayer and quiet time. And then I think probably the most important uh, here is the last one, godly character and earnestness about the Word of God. Okay, If, if someone approaches them with the Word of God about something that needs to be changed in their life, are they earnest about it? Are they earnest about seeking out God's will in the Scripture for themselves, or are they just kind of like this is this is just a, a tool that I use, you know, that I happen to be using in my field of indus- industry, you know? Uh, but or or is it the very source of source of their life? Are they earnest about the Word of God, hearing God speak and responding to it? All right. So concern for evangelism and missions is a basic part of what it means to be a faithful. Christian, disciple, help your disciple to see that, um, the disciple that you're working with. And then help them to understand the truth that will give them greater joy and God his rightful glory. Any questions? Comments? Corey? Yeah. Yeah. yeah mhm right yeah so reading biographies any you recommend <laughs> yeah austin taylor yeah okay yeah there's there's just a wealth of great biographies, and um, again, if you need any recommendations on that, there's several people here that would be happy to point you to them. I'd be happy to as well. Um, the last week I, I was saying, you know, when you, when you search for a book to read through, a Christian book, do it by the author. It's a little bit more difficult when it comes to biographies, because there's not very many. There, there are a few common authors, except for maybe Ian Murray. He writes tons of great biographies, but they're a little bit thicker. But uh, a lot of times you'll even have autobiographies, and so you're going to have different authors. So if you need a list of biographies, just let me know, or, or I'm sure Corey has some as well, or many other people read biographies as well. So, All right, let's pray together, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank You for uh, the Gospel, and thank You for how You're using it to, to spread Your fame. Um, we look forward to the day when the entire earth is full of Your glory. And that there's no pocket of resistance uh anywhere because all are praising you and the Lamb who is slain. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.